And it's always troubled me because of what God says here in this passage, of what his desire. Him putting this in the book means this is his desire for us. He wants this. And what I don't want to happen is that God wants it a lot more than we do. Let's bring our level of wanting it up to the level of the fathers. What do you say? That's what we're trying to do here because there's an inheritance here. So let's look at these points if you've got the, the, the paper here. This is just, you know, if you want to look over it, but this just helps us go in sequence kind of by the verses. Number one, let's, let's go through these. Divine, and what I mean by that is supernatural bodily healing is our covenant inheritance given to us by our Father God. It is the children's bread. This is what Jesus said in the Gospels when the Syrophoenician woman had a daughter who was ill and demon, demonized. And she came to Jesus and he said to her, it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. I don't think he was trying to insult her, but he was trying to raise the level of her game and see how much she really wanted it. And she humbled herself and humility always receives grace from Jesus. Woman, your faith is great. Your daughter's well. That's awesome. But the reality is the covenant children of God, this is our bread. You wouldn't say if you have had children or you have a little child and they're hungry, does it pull on your heart, Mom, Mommy, I'm hungry. Of course, I'm going to give you something to eat. The Father's that way as well. He will give us the bread that we crave and ask Him for. Number one, it is our inheritance given to us by our Father God. Point two. And we'll start getting into the verses here. Divine healing is intended to be done in a community context. This is where I believe that we have missed the boat in charismatic circles. Because in the divine healing revival, and starting mostly in 40s, mid-40s, 1947, a lot of the ministries came out, went in through the mid-50s where it was prominent. You had people like Catherine Kuhlman, Oral Roberts, William Branham, A.A. A. Allen, Jack Coe, those kind of names that you've all heard. That was all in this one period of time where God was breathing on divine healing. Those people, those ministries largely operated through gifts of healings. And so we got used to receiving healing through gifts of healings by people that were highly gifted in divine healing. So there was a lot of really cool things that happened and testimonies that happened that way. But even in those meetings, there were lots and lots and lots and lots of people who received prayer multiple times by all of those people and were never healed. Because divine healing is a gift in that regard, and it's by the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit as He wills. This is not. This is just asking our Father for our bread and for our inheritance that He's laid out there. And He says, all you have to do is to pray the prayer of faith, and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to do it. There's a difference there. We have based, in my view, we've based our theology even to this day of receiving healing from God based on gifts of healing. So that's why it's so sporadic, and we don't see it consistently. And I feel like that's a tragedy, and we're giving up. We're leaving on the table our inheritance from the Father. How's it supposed to work? It's not from one guy coming up here who's exceedingly gifted in healing and laying hands on everybody's head. That is the primary way. That's a beautiful thing, and I'm not discounting that, and I'm not saying that shouldn't be in the church, and we don't want more of it. But I'm saying this is not talking about that. This is a community affair where the community of God's people are gathering together and saying, Father, we're your children. This is your inheritance. We pray together in faith, trusting in the Lord, and he does it. He said, I'll do it. 
That's a different thing. So I'm saying watch the community language that's in here. This is not just the A.A. Allen or the Jack Coe or the William Branham praying for people. This is the community of God's people. You notice in verse 16, the one another's. Pray for one another, one another, that you may be healed. The one another language is community code in the New Testament. 70, 80, 90 times one another is used to tell us how to interact with each other. It's community language. That's really important. So, again, number two, divine healing is intended to be done in a community context. Notice verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Anyone among who? Among your community. Is anyone among your community sick? Let him call for the elders. Who are the elders? They're the leaders in the community. Let him call for the elders. This is all community language. Verse 16 again. Pray for one another. Confess your sins to one another. All of those phrases are language of community, not of somebody that's specially gifted with gifts of healings. Follow where I'm going? Okay, so in a community context, this is important. God has so ordained the community that when we gather together and pray for one another with the prayer of faith, and we'll talk about that in just a second, that he's going to answer and respond. Look at number three. Divine healing should be expected as a normal and consistent working of God in our midst. Notice the language of verse 15. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. Not might, not occasionally, not one out of a hundred, not one out of a thousand. I went to Rama Bible Training Center. Kenneth Hagin operated in gifts of healings. They had a prayer house there. They had a, in the afternoon, people would come from all over the country and go through healing classes and be taught in the Word, and then they would pray for them for divine healing. During my two years there, I heard of very few people that actually received healing. Why is that? Because I believe at least one of the things that we've missed in this whole picture is we want to rely on somebody that's got a gifts of healing instead of as a community coming together and taking Father up on his offer and saying, here we are. We're all going to gather together. It's not some tremendous person that's tremendously gifted. It's a community thing where we gather together. We take the knees of our brothers and sisters before the Father. We're a loving community and a family. And Father says, yes, yes. Notice the emphatic language here in verse 15. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. That's emphatic language. And the Lord will raise him up. That's emphatic language. Just as surely as if he's committed sins, they will be forgiven him. That's what verse 16 says. Exactly the same language in the Greek text. They will be forgiven. They will, God will raise him up. He will heal the sick. Pray for one another. Verse 16 again, that this, this is the result that will happen. I'm on point number three. You'll be healed. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. So look at the language there. Let me just show you a little illustration here. Sometimes we get confused in this. When it says pray for one another that you may be healed, 
in the, in the Greek grammar, let me just do a little technical geeky point here for a minute, but this is important. We often think of, oh, if it may happen, that means it's only a possibility. That's not what it is in the Greek text. It's more like this. Put the key in the lock and turn it that you may open the door. That's what it means. So pray for one another that you may be healed. It's not expressing a possibility. It's expressing the course that's going to happen. If you do A, B is going to happen. That's how it comes. That's the, that's the force of it, okay? Number four. The prayer of faith is a community issue and not just an individual issue. This is important. We're all putting our prayers together. We're all putting our faith together, taking hold of the Father for each other. Verse 16 says, confess your, that's a plural word, your, that's the whole group of you in the community, confess your sins that you, plural, may be healed. So there's a community aspect of the prayer of faith. It's not just the anointed man of God. It's not just the anointed elders with the, body, with the bottle of oil that are anointing that are praying the prayer of faith. And it's not just the person necessarily that's receiving the prayer. This is how I was always taught it, and I don't think it's correct. That the prayer of faith is either all the weight is on the elders, and if he, somebody doesn't get healed, it's because the elders didn't have faith, or it's because the person didn't have faith. Usually the person who ministered healing put the weight on the person receiving it. You didn't get healed because you didn't have faith. But I believe in this passage and throughout these verses, the emphasis is not on the individuals, even the individual elders, although... We should pray with faith and confidence in the Lord. But the emphasis is on the community. You all pray for one another that you all may be healed. There's an emphasis on the community in this passage that to me we have missed. And I think we, because of that, we've hindered ourselves in receiving the divine healing. How many would love to see God break in in greater amounts of divine healing? Are you sick and tired of praying over and over again for the same people that you love in your heart, and yet God isn't breaking in and doing something and delivering? Are you, are you over that like I am? Okay, we can't make it happen. We know this, right? We're not, we're not trying to make something happen. All we're trying to do is take Father at His Word, connect with His heart, and say, here we are. Yes, we're going to do this. This is what you told us to do. You didn't tell us to have prayer lines and lay hands on heads. You told us to do this. You didn't tell us to have massive crusades and throw buckets of oil on people. You told us to do this. You didn't tell us to sit in healing houses, healing classes, whatever. I'm not saying any of that's wrong or not helpful. But you told us to do this. Do you not think the Father's saying, why don't you do what I told you? Why don't you just do, if you'll just do what I told you. Sorry if I get too animated for you. <laughs> this fires me up because it's in my heart. Number five. The prayer of faith is based on God's clear promise here. Again, the emphatic language. You pray the prayer of faith, God, the, the sick will be healed. God will raise him up. Emphatic. Prayer of faith is based on God's clear promises here. And on his character of faithfulness and compassion, especially demonstrated in the ministry of Jesus, the only time anybody ever asked Jesus if he was willing to heal them, what was his answer? The leper came up and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. What did he say? I'm willing. Be healed. 
That settled the, that's the answer to the question. I'm willing. Be healed. If you've seen me, Jesus said, you've what? You've seen the Father. This is the Father's heart. Jesus healed everyone that came to him. I get that he passed by the beggar at the, at the gate temple and all, and all of that. But everyone that approached him and asked him, he said, yes, I'm willing. I will. Six. Sometimes, this is where we get into the nitty-gritty of this passage and of where I think sometimes we don't um, actually fulfill all of it. Sometimes, notice that's in bold and underlined, sometimes, that's not all the time, sometimes there is something beneath the surface that needs to be revealed and or repented of prior to the healing taking place. There's verse 15 and 16. If, if is conditional, if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Do you see that there can be, sometimes there is a connection with something beneath the surface that keeps the healing from coming to pass. Here's where you can't do it in a prayer line with an anointed person because they can't go through and find out what's happening in your life. Is there anything in there maybe that's hindering? We're not saying that there is, but as a community, you can do that. You can try to find out, is there anything beneath the surface that is keeping this from happening? Is there anything that you need to repent of? Is there any relationship you need to restore? Is there any... Um, thing that you need to give back that you stole, whatever it is. I know John Lake tells a story. I'm, I'm preaching now. John Lake tells a story of a guy who was, had been in a depression for months, just stayed in his room, had the curtains all closed, would just, wouldn't come out, wouldn't talk to anybody, and Lake went and ministered to him to pray for him. And here's where the prophetic people can come in and help the healing happen. This is, this is why we want you guys here. Thank you for coming. For real. Lake gets a word of knowledge for this guy, and he has a picture. And he says, what's this that I keep getting before my eyes of $5,000? And the guy's like, oh, my goodness. He goes, several years ago, I embezzled $5,000 from my employer, and I've been afraid to go back and confess it to him because I know what kind of a man he is, and he'll put me in jail. And Lake said, you have to commit right now that you're going to make restitution for that. You're going to give that money back and do whatever he tells you to do and put yourself on the mercy of that man or you can't receive your healing. He said, okay, I'll do it. Lake prayed for him. He was instantly delivered and healed and walked free from that moment. That's where sometimes there's things beneath the surface. Nobody sees it. Why is this thing there? We're not saying that the, it always is. It can be. But we don't ever vet that. You can't vet that in a healing meeting. But so often there's things beneath the surface that can be keeping healing from coming forth from the Father. He wants our heart first, and then he wants to free us in our body as well. It's part of the Father's plan and purpose. Number seven, prayer and community is powerful, even though it's offered through flawed believers. How many in this room are flawed? Praise God, we're all candidates. This is awesome. All right, verse 17 again. Elijah was a man with a like nature as ours. What does that mean? He was flawed. How was Elijah flawed? 
He had this great moment on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal. Then he went and Jezebel said, I'm going to make you like one of those prophets of Baal. And the mighty man of God, in fear of the queen, ran and ran and hid himself in a cave and started to have a depression and a pity party saying, God, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one faithful to you. I've been very zealous for the Lord and for your honor in this nation. And I'm the only one left now. Mighty man of God. But when he prayed for rain after the drought, it didn't happen all of a sudden in, in one instant. But he prayed, and you know the story. What do you see? Nothing. What do you see? Now I see a little small little speck of a cloud. What do you see now? Now there's a cloud that's coming. He goes, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Here's a flawed guy. He's not perfect. He's a prophet of the Lord. He's righteous and he's right standing before the Lord, but he's not perfect. We all get into this thing where we think, well, we can't pray for somebody for healing because I remember when I said a sharp word to my wife or when I, whatever you did, what did you do? It's not perfect people that can pray prayers that are powerful. It's those who belong to the Lord and trust in Him and have confessed their sins. This is where you've got a community of people like us that are all flawed. We can all listen to the voice and the chatter of the devil who tells us, you remember when you did all that and when you did this and you, were, you had that bad thought? No, shut out that chatter. We repent when we've sinned before the Lord. If we confess our sins, He's what? Faithful and just to... And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, what's left? The prayer of a righteous man. That's you after you confessed. It's powerful. This is a good rendering of the Greek text. The fervent prayer of a righteous man is very powerful in its working. Very powerful in its working. So this is not complicated instruction from the Lord, but I just wonder how often we actually follow through this process and just do what he said. Wouldn't that be a novel thing of just saying, Father, what did you say to do? Let's just make sure we do that. That's just this message this morning from David. This is what disciples do. We just obey what you tell us to do. That's what we want to do in these meetings. So thank every one of you for coming. We're going to pray for individuals in our body who have been sick or oppressed, we're going to pray for them tonight. We're going to trust that Father's going to honor His Word. How many know? We all know this. We don't have healing power in our own possession to, to give out as we will. But God wants to come up and show Himself mighty in our community. And I believe that the first step on getting on a track where healing is consistent, it is expected in the New Testament, divine healing is expected and is normal in the body. That's what it's supposed to be. I don't know about you, but that hasn't been my experience in 43 years of walking with Jesus in Pentecostal churches, is that it was normal and that it was expected and that it happened a lot. I've seen some things happen. But the percentages haven't been as good as I would like to see. And I believe the Father's drawing us in and inviting us into something that is an expression of his heart. That he himself initiated this. We didn't make this up. Did we, did we make up this text? Do you think I wrenched it out of its context and said things that it doesn't say? I think it's pretty clear, right? 
It's not complicated. So thank you guys for coming. Let's do this. We're going to keep doing this. Why are we going to keep doing this? Because Father said this is what He wants, and we're going to give Him what He wants in this community.